Welcome nerds. It's time to debrief you on the world of pop culture. Loading up rockabilly track. Now stretching for maximum alien tea bagging efficiency. Preparing updates on movies, TV, wrestling and more. ANS 5.0 activates in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right. First of all, apologies for last week. Like Christian said, life just kind of got in the way. So unfortunately, we had to put together a glorified clip show for everyone. But the good news is we didn't miss tons last week. Not really. Uh, we got a couple stories to go over and discuss in news. Oh, but we did get a Miss Marvel trailer. Uh, we're not going to break it down, right? We don't need to break it down. We don't need to break it's, it down. It's a couple weeks old now. So, and it's, it's a, it's pretty much like a glorified montage trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, but what were your initial thoughts on it? You know, Damon, I was actually, uh, thinking that the show was going to be a little bit more, even more on the kid friendly side when they were first like showing off images and stuff like that. So I was actually impressed with how kind of mature the character seems to be in this like trailer that we've gotten so far. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy that they're going that direction. It feels more online with like what we've gotten with Spider-Man and stuff like that. So I, I think I'm interested to see what they're doing with this. And the powers aren't bothering me that much right now. I think it's kind of, it's interesting how they're using the quantumness to still show her embiggen abilities as well. It's definitely quantum bands that she's finding mm-hmm. in that attic. Um, you know, I mean, the quantum bands have a long history in the Marvel universe. Uh, it'll give her more of a direct tie to Captain Marvel, which just makes sense. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, fuck the Inhumans. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm totally fine with her having a different origin. Uh, and, you know, I mean, so the quantum bands go to like someone who's been chosen as like a cosmic protector. Uh, you know, here it looks like she's just finding them. But I'm, I'm guessing that either they're like calling to her or, you know, it's something that's was supposed to eventually get like passed down to her maybe because it looks like she's in like some attic so maybe it's at her house i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know what the deal is with that like why would the quantum bands be in an attic in a box somewhere uh but it, you know i mean i'm guessing that probably too that she'll eventually be chosen like maybe because we do see like these figures in like a mist like show up um i'm wondering if those figures are coming back to get the quantum bands and then they decide, you know, after witnessing who Miss Marvel is, that, you know, she's the rightful owner. You know, I'm speculating, you know, completely here. <laughs> like you're saying, I, I didn't mind at all, like, how it looked like her powers worked in the trailer, from what we saw, at least. Um, I was never a huge fan of, you know, the stretchy powers anyway. So I'm okay with it. I also, I think we talked about this before. I could see why they would make this choice just, you know, budget wise, because like pulling off those stretchy powers every episode probably would cost a lot of money, you know, and just, you know, for them to look good visually, at least. And then you're also introducing Mr. Fantastic probably in the next, (laughs) you know, couple years. So um, that's exactly what I was thinking. Very similar powers. Uh I know Quasar (laughs) used to be in possession of the Quantum Bands. Uh, I believe they actually introduced a new version of Quasar a couple years back. Um, so I don't know if she has quantum bands also. Uh, but uh, I believe Captain Marvel also had a version of the quantum bands at some point, like the original Captain Marvel. Um, I also did love how the trailer felt like a comic book come to life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope the whole series is like that. 
you know, it, it something about it reminded me very much of like Scott Pilgrim, honestly. Um, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I hope I like that they're doing something different with each one of these series style wise to kind of make them their own unique thing. So I hope that, you know, Marvel and Disney Plus continues to do that. I thought visually it looked really cool and it just it felt like something we haven't seen before from the MCU. And like with them continuing to do so many series and probably planning to do so many more heroes, it'll get stale real fast if they don't keep giving us something at least visually interesting to look at. Yeah, I mean, all these shows should have their own sense of style. Absolutely. So I'm totally cool with that. So Christian, we know that Miss Marvel is going to be in the upcoming Marvel's film, uh, you know, starring her, Captain Marvel and Monica Rambeau. Uh, do you think that we get an appearance from Captain Marvel and Monica in this series? I can totally picture Monica showing up. I don't know about Captain Marvel just yet. I feel like she's too busy out somewhere in space and they'll come together, you know, through Monica. Yeah, maybe. I, I could see maybe like, I don't know, a fun like daydream sequence. Because in this trailer, it definitely feels like we're going to get those kind of sequences a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of like visual nods to that first Miss Marvel series too, like throughout. Even the poster that they released for the series mm-hmm. is like straight from one of the comic covers. So I thought that was really cool. But anyway, I'm sure this is the last trailer we're going to get. You know, like I said, this felt like more of a montage type deal. I'm sure we're going to get more of a story uh, trailer in the next couple weeks. Uh, and we did find out that the drop date is June 8th. Uh, yeah, that's correct. And like you said, with every series that's been coming out, there's going to be a, like a million rumors coming up right until that date anyway. So we'll be talking about something else, Miss Marvel, soon, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. Man, it's weird, though. It's going to be running like uh, coinciding with uh, Obi-Wan. Oh, I yeah. think that's the first time we've ever had like a Marvel series and a Star Wars series running at the same time on Disney Plus. Hey, the more content, the merrier, right? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of breakdowns, Christian. You're telling me, Damon, but how about we break down what's going on on this week's episode? All right, Christian. So this week we have reviews for the horror film X and the first episode of Paramount Plus's Halo. And of course, that's not all. I saw Jujutsu Kaisen Zero and we're going to be talking the latest episode of AEW Dynamite. All right. But before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing nerd show swag. All right, Christian. And this week, actually, someone was kind enough to leave us a five star review over on Apple. Uh, This comes from Macho King 1980. It says, get your nerd on. Love the show, great in-depth reviews and new segments, fun banter, more horror and Star Wars, please. Uh, I look forward to the show every week. Thank you, Macho King. Uh, Make sure to go ahead and deem us your uh, address and we'll send some fun, amazing nerd show merch your way. Speaking of doing more horror in Star Wars, Christian, we do have a Patreon in the works. At least that's the rumor. Uh, We'd like to hear from you fans, though, like because we want to do bonus content but we're just not quite sure exactly what you want to hear more of on the Patreon. So go ahead, you know, DM us, add us on all our social media, you know, platforms, Amazing Nerd Show, uh, you know, and let us know what you want to hear from the Patreon. Because we promise it is it is going to be a thing, you know, so yes. <laughs> sometime soon. So, but, you know, like we said in the front of the episode, life's been kind of getting in the way, but there are wheels turning right now behind the scenes. 
So look for, you know, an update in the upcoming couple of weeks. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. All right, so our first story up is the MCU's developing a Nova project with the writer from Moon Knight. While the wait for the next Marvel show or movie is almost over with Moon Knight coming out next week and the Multiverse of Madness right on the horizon, Disney hasn't taken any breaks. And of course, it's looking to tap into even more Marvel heroes. Deadline reports in that Sabir Prasad, a writer on the Moon Knight series, is set to write for a Richard Rider Nova project. And because this is still, you know, all, you know, an early development, it's still up in the air whether or not this will be a movie or series, which I think is a tough call because I feel like a character like Nova could have a big screen presence. But on the other hand, Disney has had massive success doing all these series on Disney Plus, so I could see them wanting to do that as well. Damon, where would you like this to go? Well, Christian, funny that you asked that. There's actually another story that just came out stating that this is most likely going to be a limited series on Disney Plus. Um, And honestly, there's no reason why we can't have our cake and eat it too. I could see him, you know, getting his own limited series, you know, to start things off and then eventually branching out into his own film. So, or being a part of someone else's, you know, film series. So, uh, you know, who knows? Uh, I I like the idea of kind of like airing out his origin, though, like Mm -hmm. in a series. I feel like that's probably the better format for it, as long as they have the budget to do so, since it is like a cosmic story. Uh, I'm surprised that they are going with Richard Rider, though. With the current like youth movement going on in the MCU that we've been seeing so far in Phase 4, I was half expecting them to announce that, you know, Sam Alexander would be, you know, the one wearing the helmet. So, um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised either, though, if he does pop up in the series, since it is Nova Corps. I mean, it works very much like the Green Lantern Corps, so you could have multiple Novas, you know, so he could kind of play almost like a sidekick character, you know, to Richard. I mean, if anything, they could use the limited series as a way to just kind of establish exactly what the Nova do. Exactly. And then, you know, you build into the younger version, I guess. No, exactly. I mean... Having these two different formats now at your disposal, you know, with Disney Plus, I mean, it it just makes perfect sense, you know, storytelling wise to do a lot of the heavy lifting in the series. So then you could just kind of hit the ground running in the film. So next, we have a whole lot of Star Wars news to catch up on. Uh, but up first, uh, The Mandalorian adds Christopher Lloyd to the season three cast. This past week, Hollywood Reporter claimed Christopher Lloyd of Back to the Future fame, along with many other classics, will be joining The Mandalorian Season 3 in what seems like a guest role spot, which really wouldn't be shocking as there has been plenty of guest appearances so far. Either way, Lloyd will be another fine addition in Mando's collection of stars. I could totally see him being like a possible love interest for like Polly Mato or something. Unfortunately, I could see that, but I, I hope it's a more interesting role than that, please. (laughs) In all seriousness, though, I I would love to see him play a villain. I mean, he did it for Star Trek, right? He was like he was the Klingon like leader or something like that or captain in one of those films. Something like that. I'm not a Star Trek. He was also the bad guy in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, he does great as a villain. So I, I, w- I would love to see that, you know, even though this is just cameo. Uh, apparently, that's what they're reporting so far. OK, but I mean, small bit characters have come back multiple oh, yeah. times, yeah, and, especially Star so. Wars, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can see him as some like Imperial officer underneath like Moff Gideon. 
Like, I feel like that would work. Ooh, maybe like an aged up Thrawn. That'd be interesting. No one wants that, Christian. <laughs> okay. They've got Thrawn's going to be a big part of uh, Ahsoka's series. Yes, yeah, so so, he's definitely already been yes, casted. Yes, and I'm sure he's going to be quite younger. I mean, Christopher Lloyd's in his 80s, I believe. So, uh-huh. <laughs> no, thank you, Christian. <laughs> Noah wants an old ass Thrawn running around Ahsoka like that. <laughs> I love Christopher Lloyd, but that's okay. Special effects and everything Why? exists. There's David. plenty of actors who are age appropriate for that role. <laughs> I love Christopher Lloyd, but no, that's okay. You saw Palpatine fly in the air. Unless he actually has a fucking DeLorean and he can go back in time and de-age himself. That's I don't want right. to see it. But speaking of Star Wars series news, apparently everyone's favorite protocol droid turned criminal bounty hunter for Lom will be joining the Obi-Wan series. Star Wars.net reports in that Forlom will be one of Obi-Wan's foes in the series and will surely get more screen time than he had in Empire Strikes Back. I was disappointed with the book of Boba Fett that we didn't get like some Empire bounty hunters, you know, at least cameoing uh, in the series. Uh, But yeah, no, if we get an appearance from, you know, some of them in Obi-Wan, why not? Uh, There's also a rumor that Black Chrysanthemum might actually make an appearance here. He does in the comic books have a history with Obi-Wan. Uh, especially around this time period. So it would only make sense since they already introduced the character. Uh, But we'll see what they do because it does feel like there's a lot going on (laughs) in this series Mm -hmm. and it's only five episodes. So hopefully they're all good, like juicy hour though. Oh, and also before we talk anything other than Star Wars, it's come out that creator of the Watchmen series and Lost, Damon Lindolf, is working with Disney on a future Star Wars film. The Anklers' Jeff Snyder reported this in, but of course the details are very scarce right now in what you know kind of project this may be, whether it be a sequel following episode nine or something that goes along within the universe that we have so far, or even a prequel. I mean, I mean we have everything that's going on with the High Republic, so who knows at this point what Disney is thinking with Star Wars. Hey, man, after the Watchmen, I say let him do whatever the hell he wants, right? (laughs) He's super talented, so I'm fine with him doing his own original story. Like, it doesn't need to be tied into, like, the trilogies or anything like that. Um, Hmm. They just, they have so many different, like, projects, film-wise, in the works right now, it seems like, right? Well, that's why I can't tell exactly, like, you know, is this just going to be continuation of the Star Wars story? Or are they going to just play around in like the High Republic? Or are they going to go Old Republic? Because we've heard you know rumors about that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's all over the place. No, I mean, because what Ryan Johnson's supposed to be getting his own trilogy. Yeah, um, I believe Kevin Foggy is supposed to have his own movie, right? And we know P- Patty Jenkins is working on Rogue Squadron right now. So I mean, it's mm-hmm. all up in the air. Uh, you know, it seems like they're more just focused on the series right now. Yeah, I, I could see them doing like a High Republic storyline, you know, or, you know, a film based in that period of time. We hmm. do know that there's supposed to be like a children's show coming out based in that yes. period. So I could see them exploring in that era of Star Wars. Uh, but who the fuck knows? <laughs> I mean, a lot of the focus feels more on the TV end of things which isn't a bad thing. I'm not complaining on the film side of things, though. It just feels like they're offering every talented person in Hollywood, you know, a chance to direct a Star Wars film. So uh, we'll see what comes of it. All right. Next, we got Christina Ricci joining the Netflix Wednesday Adams series. 
The Tim Burton live action TV series Wednesday is bringing in a former Wednesday Adams in Christina Ricci. Deadline reported that Christina Ricci will be playing an undisclosed role in this series, which was later confirmed by Netflix that she would be playing a new exciting character in this young adult show. Christina Ricci joins Jenna Ortega, who is going to be playing Wednesday Adams, along with Louis Guzman and Miss Catherine Zeta Jones, who is playing Gomez and Morticia Adams. You know, I'm a sucker for an edgy teen drama. I just hope it turns out to be better than what we had gotten from Netflix with the Sabrina series. But hey, here's the hoping that Tim Burton has something up his sleeve for this one. Well, it definitely sounds like it's going to be in that Sabrina mold, man. So <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I, I, a lot of people like that show. You didn't like it? I enjoyed the show, but it's just like every time we would get to kind of like the climax of a good arc, it would fall flat. I mean, you don't invite the devil into your life and he doesn't fuck anything whoa, up, whoa. you know? Spoilers, it's just... man. <laughs> I haven't seen a second of the show and I have no plans on watching it, so whatever. Um, so right. I know they already casted Morticia, but man, Christina Ricci just feels like would have been perfect for that role. It just feels like it would be perfect like symmetry to have her now be Morticia after, you know, being so well known for, you know, playing Wednesday. And I think she would have pull, pulled it off great. So I'm surprised it took them this long to cast her. But who knows? Maybe it was like contract negotiations or whatever. Yeah, I think she'd been working on that show Yellow Jacket for a while. So who knows? So lastly, we got confirmation that Courtney Cox will be officially returning to the newly announced Scream 6. Ah, what is Scream without its original cast members? Courtney Cox confirmed recently that she will be joining for the sixth film in the franchise. Cox, who plays Gail Weathers, was recently doing interviews and spilled the beans of her return on a podcast. But of course, no plot details are out just yet because even she hasn't read the recent script. Well, I definitely suggest that she reads the script soon since the movie's supposed to be coming out March 31st, 2023. So that's, you know just about a year away. Although I'm kind of hoping that means that her role isn't that substantial. Uh, I did finally watch uh, the last Scream film. I don't even know what they're calling it. I know it was just called Scream, but I guess Scream 2021, right? Or 2022. Did it come out this year? It came out this year, 2022. So yeah. um, just fucking call it Scream 5, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do a review for it for Patreon. So uh, I won't go into a full review here. I did feel, though, that, you know, the core characters were definitely kind of shoehorned in. Uh, and I did like the new cast of characters. It seems like they, you know, introduced us to. So I'm hoping that, you know, we could kind of start to get away from the core characters and focus on the new characters a little more with this, you know, new film. Uh, but I guess only time will tell. Well, speaking of horror, Damon, you saw another horror movie this week. That's right. I saw the A24 film, X. Warning, spoiler alert. Minor spoilers for X ahead. You have been warned. And now, our feature presentation. Daddy catches us. There's no telling what he might do. My wife is not well. It happens after dark. In 1979, a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Texas. But when their reclusive elderly hosts catch them in the act, the cast find themselves fighting for their lives. This was directed and written by Ty West and stars Mia Goth, Jenna Ortega, and Brittany Snow. 
So Axe is a fun slasher throwback that doesn't necessarily reinvent the wheel, but more just injects it with the kind of quality performances and storytelling that the genre and fans deserve. Director Ty West has been an indie horror darling for years, bringing us great films like House of the Devil and Innkeepers, but it's been a while since we've had an offering from him in the genre, so I was excited after seeing the trailer finding out that this was not only underneath the A24 umbrella, but it was going to be his widest release yet. The film follows a group of people in the 70s who want to make a highbrow porno film. Some for the art of it, some for the fame, and some for the money. So they rent a guest house on an older couple's farm to shoot their masterpiece. But once the elderly couple finds out what's going on, shit goes awry. So in X, Ty West does a wonderful job of paying homage to classic horror tropes without it feeling ever too derivative. Instead, it was more like a celebration of the 70s and early 80s horror, a period of time where horror felt fresh and new, where renegade artists really pushed the boundaries before studios in the 80s got involved and saw slasher films as just another cash cow and tried to turn the subgenre into a sterile formulaic equation. Wes seems to be using the movie within the movie to capture that spirit. X is pure 70s slow burn storytelling, something Wes certainly is more than familiar with. The film takes its time and allows us to get to know the characters, and this includes the elderly couple, which was refreshing because it made you more invested and intrigued by their motives. This also at the same time allowed the audience to really marinate in the film's themes. Youth and aging, sexual liberation and repression. I mean, there's a lot going on here underneath the surface, and Wes definitely made sure to get his point across. To top things off, the film's score and cinematography do just a masterful job of transporting us to the time period and really builds an ambiance that heightens the tension enough to keep you invested and remind you what you paid to see, which is a damn good slasher film. I thought all these different elements in the pacing were just brilliant. Because while it takes its time to get there, the destination is well worth the wait. Because the film really escalates to this unapologetic storm of brutality. And all that kind of equity built in the first two acts just makes the horror feel so much more earned and, I don't know, glorious. <laughs> I guess I'm sick. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's nothing that any seasoned gorehound hasn't seen before, but it's just so beautifully shot by West and his sense of style makes it feel all that more visceral. It's his subtleties and, you know, his attention to details, the magic that lies between the notes that really brings X to the next level. I mean, trust me when I say the film has some moments and visuals that will stay etched in your psyche for a while. And the cast also deserves a lot of praise. Uh, Mia Goth in particular, uh, who's pulling double duty, which I didn't even realize to about halfway through the film. I mean, she just does an amazing job. So my one criticism is that the climax and the ending just kind of felt a little abrupt and flat. Um, no pun intended. And there's also some reveals that left me with a lot of questions. But with that being said, it does look like we're gonna eventually get some answers because at the end of the credits, there's a surprise trailer for a prequel. And there's also news out there that we're gonna get an eventual sequel on top of everything. <laughs> so it looks like West and A24 has its very own slasher trilogy in the works, which if you ask me is just fantastic news. 
So with that being said, I'm gonna go ahead and give X a B plus. And I'm not gonna lie, I could see that grade eventually being elevated to an A, uh, you know, with the second watch or perhaps after the other films drop. You know, depending on how well they answer some of those questions we had at the end of this movie. Uh, but if you're a horror fan, I definitely recommend checking out X, especially if you're a fan of films made in this time period. Uh, X is now playing at a theater near you. All right, Christian, so you also saw a film. That's right, I also have a review for Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Warning, spoiler alert. Minor spoilers for Jujutsu Kaisen Zero ahead. You have been warned. Yuro Katsu, a high schooler who gains control of an extremely powerful cursed spirit and gets enrolled in a Tokyo Prefectural Jiu-Jitsu High School by Jiu-Jitsu sorcerers to help him control his power and keep an eye on it. Jiu-Jitsu Kaisen Zero is directed by Song Q Park. So Jiu-Jitsu Kaisen made my top shows list during our year in review, so you knew I was going to have to check out the film. This movie brought the big introduction of a new special grade student in Yuta. However, this being a prequel to a lot of the wind out of its sails, especially since 90% of the cast were going to make it past this film. And on top of that, the film format itself just didn't feel right for what they were trying to accomplish with this story. And I'd almost would have preferred this to be a tad bit more fleshed out and like an OVA over, you know, a couple episodes or so. And honestly, at times it felt like that might have been the plan overall because there was definitely moments where I felt like an episode just ended and a new episode began as I was watching it. But but anyway, the inclusion of Yuta still brought on some great fleshing out to characters that we already love and know, like in Gojo, Maki, Mr. Tuna Salmon, and Panda. We also got more, you know, action scenes for Gojo, which were all fucking badass. Plus, we got to see our main villain in Gato, you know, finally get to fight as well. I mean, that's probably one of, you know, Jujutsu Kaisen's, you know, biggest selling points at this moment is its action and animation style that makes for some compelling arts that is worth seeing on a big screen. I just felt the overall journey of our characters just didn't work in movie form. Everything felt like it would have worked better in a televised setting if they got to flesh things out and focus on the smaller aspects of these characters rather than kind of rushing to that big fight when they're trying to crunch everything down for an appropriate length of a film. And then there's the fact that, you know, with most of these characters having stories that we've already seen play out on screen, there's not much consequences at all for what went down in this film. It's all just kind of one big setup for the future seasons of Jujutsu Kaisen, which as a fan, I'm ready to see more of. But when I go to, you know, the theater to go see a movie, I want to see something, you know, beginning, middle and end. I don't want just an advertisement for the rest of a you know show. So that's just why I feel like this didn't work as a, you know, single film on its own, which overall, you know, affects my grade. So Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, in my eyes, was a B minus. This week's episode of The Amazing Nerd Show is sponsored by Manscaped. Ladies and gentlemen, can I get a round of applause? Today, I'm excited to announce Manscaped's launched their ultra premium collection. And believe it or not, it's for your not so private parts. I'm talking about a leveled up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. 
This is an all-in-one skin and hair care kit for your everyday man. And it covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with our code 20AMAZING. Fellas, there's more places on your body that stink than your balls. And of course, no one wants to be that smelly guy during convention season. We all know how essential the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 is for the precise trim below the waist. Their advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts to your most delicate areas. But now you can enhance your perfect grooming routine with their ultra premium collection. This package includes Manscaped's premium deodorants. And no, that's not for your balls, it's for your stanky arms pits. This deodorant dries clear, is aluminum free, and smells like their signature scent. It also comes with hydrating body moisturizer. Have tattoos or issues with dry skin? It's designed to keep skin feeling clean, smooth, and smelling fresh. Also, it comes with body wash to lather you up with their infused aloe vera and sea salt shower gel. And they also throw in a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner to clean your scalp with an easy one step. Plus, they included a free gift, a three-pack set of lip balm that's made up of ingredients such as vitamin E, peppermint, and eucalyptus oil to keep those chappers feeling moist. Right there, that's four products plus a gift inside the Ultra Premium Collection. What a score. All of these products are cruelty-free, paraben-free, vegan-friendly, and dye-free. The best ingredients with zero compromise. You know, we would like to recommend using the products in this order. Well, Christian, the first step will be hopping in the shower and scrub-a-dub-dub -dub that body with the Manscaped Body Wash. Second, you gotta lather that hair up with the two-in-one shampoo conditioner to keep your noggin toggin'. Then you've gotta dry off and spray that hydrating body moisturizer to reinvigorate dry skin. Of course, you put on the Manscaped deodorant for obvious reasons. Pop that Manscaped lip balm on. No one is out here kissing chapped up lips. And you know, getting dressed after is of course optional, but you should wear one great scent all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get that ultra premium collection hot off the shelves. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code 20AMAZING at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code 20AMAZING at manscaped.com. Manscaped.com. That's right, because the power of attraction is now in a bottle, thanks to Manscaped. All right, Christian, you also have a new series to talk about. That's right, I saw the very first episode of Halo. Warning spoiler alert. Some minor and some major spoilers for Halo ahead. You have been warned. Your rage blinds you. Rage? all I have left. The Covenant will not stop. What else are you willing to sacrifice? Everything. What's the point in saving humanity if we're going to give up our own? I'm interested in finding a way to be less reliant on Dr. Holsey moving forward. The truth could bring us all down. Aliens threatened human existence in an epic 26th century showdown. Halo was created by Stephen Kane 
and Kyle Killen. So for starters with Halo, I mean, I got to say, as someone who's been playing Halo for a very long time, you know, the idea of elites, grunts and, you know, brutes aren't very, you know, frightening ideas, you know, not very frightening entities, creatures, create characters, whatever you want to call them, you know, fighting them as this kind of unstoppable killing machine you know, has has numbed me to those types of aliens. But getting to see them in live action form and seeing them absolutely rip through, you know, the average human, I was absolutely impressed by the opening of the Halo series. I mean, this absolutely made the elites look like the most terrifying things in the galaxy. And it instantly hit you with how violent this show is going to get. And I love that aspect. But by the end of the first episode, you really kind of get a grasp on the fact that this is Halo inspired rather than something that fits directly with the Halo we all have grown up with. Without spoiling anything too much, in the first episode, we are introduced to, you know, a town of rebel insurgents trying to free themselves from the UNSC control on this planet of Madrigal. We meet the, you know, general of this colony's daughter, Quan Ha, who is out with her friends, um, sneaking outside the walls, of course, to literally get high on some plants. But before she can, you know, take some of these hidden berries, she notices a glint of light out in the distance that turns out to be a Covenant ship, and all hell breaks loose from there. This sequence is probably the best part of this episode, as not only does it highlight the dangers of the Covenant, but the introduction of the Spartans and Master Chief is absolutely brutal and badass. And the attention to details and weapons, sound effects, and more really heighten the experience altogether. Like we saw from the trailer, Master Chief does end up discovering what the Covenant came looking for in what looks like, you know, a Forerunner artifact. And upon touching it, it sets up the plot for this series, as it seems to unlock some hidden memories for John's past. The story will definitely be following these very contrasting characters as they learn more about, you know, the threat of the Covenant and should make for an interesting duo altogether, with Quan Ha coming from an insurrectionist colony that definitely feared and hated, you know, the UNSC along with Spartans, and now a Master Chief seemingly breaking free in almost equilibrium style from the brainwashing he went through because of the UNSC. And while I do think that the plot makes for a compelling story and takes things in a direction that can go further than the average Halo story about, you know, the Covenant trying to destroy everything. It's just kind of the start of, you know, many little aspects here and there that might be a tad bit off-putting to Halo fans as they are changing up some of the Master Chief's characteristics here and there. Though he is still in the vein of that kind of Mando-like, you know, man of action character. So I am intrigued to see where they go with this story altogether. But what didn't interest me were the performances coming from the UNSC side of things. Miranda Keys and Halsey kind of fell flat for me, and that's pretty disappointing because of how pivotal their characters are to the overall story of Halo down the road. Halsey in particular just didn't feel right, didn't feel like the character that I know from the games. It just felt like she was missing that edge that we know that Halsey has. You know, she's capable of doing very dark deeds for her own selfish research and needs. And while this TV version is still a rule breaker, I wouldn't say she's evil enough in my eyes. When it comes down to the action, it was pretty good, but the CGI was a little goofy at times. Like there were certain actions and moments with Master Chief where I wasn't 
wasn't sure if they were trying to make it look like it was straight out of the video game or not. Like, was this done on purpose or is this just bad CGI? I've also seen a lot of people coming out saying that they weren't too into the whole like plasma weapons absolutely ripping through human beings. But, you know, I'm a sick fuck and I'm totally into that. But I do think you know for a series like this and you know the gamble that paramount plus is definitely doing dropping like 10 million per episode in this show i feel like they still could have afforded to you know make the covenant's armor a little bit different in varying looks you know like the honor guard in the actual city that we see later on in the show could have looked different than the soldiers that we saw on the ground at the start of the show I, it's just little aspects there that I think would have not only made fans happy, but it would have, you know, shown a little bit more dedication to the small details in Halo. But I will give the series credit for its faithfulness to sound design, though. Audio cues coming straight out of Halo 1 in this is fucking awesome to see. Or should I say here? But when it comes down to brass tacks, what, you know, really bothered me the most, and this is more of a spoiler for anyone who didn't follow any of the news coming out for this series, um, they removed the helmet of Master Chief, and it's... You know, it's not that they that he does that they actually show his face, even though that is a staple of the games, not to show Master Chief's face. It's the way that they went about it. You know, in the very first episode, immediately unveiling his face in a way that didn't feel necessarily earned. I, I felt like cheapened the show a tad bit more because I I got what they were going for. In the beginning of this episode, they really paint this picture of how you know, the Spartans are almost demons in the eyes of these insurrectionists. And now that, you know, Master Chief is trying to now work with one of the insurrectionists, he is trying to, you know, be more humanizing in her eyes. And by taking off the helmet was supposed to be a sign of trust and all that stuff with her. But I, it's, it's just like how in Mando, when he takes off the helmet, you know, while I wasn't a big fan of it, it felt way more earned because it was at least built up to, because that should be a massive moment. Especially something that's so different from what you would expect from the games. Um, I do know that maybe this is their way of trying to say, you know, this is a separate experience from the, you know, games. You know, this isn't, you know, this is our story and they're trying to do something you know, really different with the story of Halo, but we haven't seen actual Halo in live action in quite a while, you know, in a scale like this before. So I, I just don't think that they should have done it in this way. I think that there are ways to have built up to it that would have made for a more impactful moment in your show, but that's just my opinion. Either way, I will continue to watch this and see where it goes. I am interested to know where this story is heading. You know, we still haven't seen the actual Cortana yet, though there was um you know some type of weird clone figure um i don't know which way that they're going with cortana right now i i mean i have some ideas but i don't want to spoil too much right now but either way i do feel like this is something that halo fans should you know rejoice in and give a chance at least uh because i feel like there's still a lot on the table and a lot of potential in what this could be by the end uh just you know, I'm a little hesitant, but I'm still excited for its prospects. So when this does end, we will give a, you know, full grade for the entire show, of course. But for now, I leave you with that. And now it's time for Christian's Corner. Well, all right, we're doing things a little bit different today because a brand new trailer came out on Netflix for a Tekken series coming to them. The first opponent you must defeat in any fight is yourself. When you have mastered the moment, 
Then, and only then, can you start moving ahead. Are you gonna run back to your mommy? Control your anger. Don't let it control you. Jin Kazama. So Netflix anime is coming out with a Tekken series, and it looks to fill in some of the small gaps in the messy story of the Mishima clan. In the trailer, we get Jin Kazuma being trained by his mother, June Kazuma. And after unleashing some of his rage on some local bullies, Jin and his mother seem to be confronted by Ogre, who was originally supposedly the person that killed June, Jin's mother but it would later come out from the game director that June never died from this conflict. So with the anime working very closely with the game developers, it seems like they are going to kind of flesh out some more of Jin's origin beyond what we have seen in the game so far. Of course, after failing in a conflict with Ogre, it seems like he's gonna go train with Heihachi, who will most likely help Jin kind of achieve unlocking a little bit more of that devil gene that's inside of him. I mean, I'm interested to see how far they're gonna take this storyline, how far into like, you know, actual Tekken storyline they'll get, because this is clearly a prequel to everything. Like how far will we see, you know, the devil gene get explored in this? You know, we do see Jin's face light up red in this teaser. We see plenty of other characters that they're probably gonna be showing and like putting in here and there throughout the series. I don't know if we're gonna get the first tournament or not. I wonder if they're gonna do this kind of like uh, how the Mortal Kombat series was. They'll tease up to the tournament and then maybe do one or something like that but I, I doubt that the tournament's gonna be a main focus of this show. This is just how I, what I'm interpreting from a short, you know, montage trailer though. But you know, while the prospects of expanding further on the lore of one of my personal favorite games is pretty awesome, I'm not in love with the 3D animation used so far. Um, and maybe it's something I'm just gonna need to watch more of or see different scenes of to kind of get more into it. But the lighting aspects in general also seemed kind of off and cheap, but they were just kind of thrown on to create shadows when it really just doesn't work like the shadows seem all over the place but on the flip side you can also see them putting in a lot of the game's effects into this trailer you know as Tekken is a 3d fighter you can sidestep and the camera moves with you and it kind of got that same feel in this trailer and a lot of the screen effects were there as well so perhaps more time and money was put into that aspect of this series than uh, of stuff like the lighting and shading all in all Tekken is chock full of great characters and sometimes not fully realized stories. So I think that there's a lot of potential in a show like this because there's so much room to play around and kind of redefine things here. So I do have hope for a series like this. Uh, Tekken Bloodline is slated to release this year. So we'll talk about it more when it comes out. In my lifetime, I've learned Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. All right, so before we talk this past week's Dynamite, unfortunately, since we last recorded, Scott Hall has passed away. Uh, absolutely just heartbreaking. A true pioneer in the business who probably honestly doesn't get enough credit um, from WrestleMania 10's ladder match to, uh, in my opinion, the ingredient that made the NWO just so damn cool at first. I mean, his influence on the business can't be overstated. So do yourself a favor. Check out some classic Razor Ramon matches and rest in peace Scott Hall.
All right, Christian, so let's go ahead and talk some highlights from this past week's episode of AEW Dynamite. Uh, First of all, what an awesome crowd, man. I mean, Texas came to see some fucking wrestling this week. And they They got some wrestling. They were hot for every match. So, Mm -hmm. And I mean, deservedly so. I mean, this was a great episode of Dynamite, I thought. Uh, To start things off, we had CM Punk versus Dax Hardwood, which I thought was the match of the night. No, nah, man, I agree. Uh, this was a hard-hitting match between the two of these guys. For some reason, I didn't expect the you know, show to start without anyone talking. I don't know why I was so prepared for, like, a promo <laughs> to kick off yeah, AEW. This, this isn't Raw, man. I know, right? What's wrong with me? <laughs> but, it, I don't know, CM Punk coming out, is like, oh, he's going to get on the mic, he's going to say something, and then we got a fantastic match with Dax anyway. Uh, we have the, the ass boys on the outside antagonizing both of them the entire yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, it definitely seems like FTR is going to be turning face sooner than later. Absolutely, especially with Cash coming out and trying to get the crowd to amp up Dax in this match. Yeah, no, it was a great back and forth. A lot of callbacks to like Bret Hart matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we know that FTR recently fired uh, Tully Blanchard and they've been dropping a lot of like Bret Hart hints. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Bret Hart like join the company or at least do a one off where he's, you know, in FTR's corner. Uh, You know, we know next week FTR is going to be facing off against the ass boys. So um, and, you know, in MJF's promo this week uh, where he was addressing the whole Wardlow situation, uh, he mentioned something about, you know, the pinnacle not being over and that, you know, the pinnacle is going to level up with FTR next week, which I thought was kind of broad and open where I could see him like turning on FTR, you know, and perhaps, you know, uh, the ass boys joining. You know, I can't think of their actual names right now. The Gun Club. Club. Thank you. you (laughs) (laughs) They should just go with Ass Boys. Why not? Absolutely. They actually got the copyright for it. So (laughs) (laughs) that's actually all from Danhausen. So, uh, but yeah, no, they, um, yeah, it it feels like they're going that direction. It, It seems like a weird fit, though, right? Like the Gun Club with the Pinnacle, but. Who knows? I mean, those guys are so obnoxious. I mm-hmm. can see them being just total like lackeys for MJF and, you know, him just treating them like shit, you know, <laughs> so yeah, it could I, work. I just imagine them being the, his like hyenas, you know, like they're just out there yeah. cackling and getting in people's ways. That's exactly what they are, though, right? Exactly. They're totally just fucking <laughs> hyenas in the, in the crowd. Because at first I was like, why? I believe last week they were in the audience, too. I don't know if it was mm-hmm. during an FTR match. I'm trying to think. So they've been planting seeds with them in the audience again. I was like, is this at first I was like, is this Khan's like way of just getting them on camera? Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, because they've been more featured on Dynamite lately and they got a title shot and everything, um, which makes sense since they were undefeated for like two years somehow. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. I'm okay with it if it does end up happening. Um, Maybe they swerve us. Maybe it's another tag team that ends up, you know, coming out and taking out FTR. I just don't see who else that could be. Uh, I'm not sure either. I mean, I I mean, I love the idea of, you know, the pinnacle of ass being their new name. (laughs) Yeah. Sure. (laughs) They're going to copyright that now. Exactly. Um, But, you know, a great (laughs) match. We saw Punk go over. But, I mean... This match also got over Dax and just how great of a wrestler he is, which 
you should know already. It's just nice to see him in single action to really kind of spotlight his talent. Mm. So, but um, Punk was doing a lot of signaling, right? After the match, you know, (laughs) (laughs) doing the whole strap thing and everything. It looks like he's going to be going for a belt. Uh, Do you think it's going to be the world title? Do you think he goes after the TNT belt? I mean, in my mind, I assumed, you know, best in the world wants to go for the world title right like mm-hmm. that would be the first thing i would think of but i mean if if it's not the right time for him to go up against hangman maybe scorpio sky maybe i mean you do have a heel with that tnt title right now mm-hmm. uh it seems like he's kind of busy in a feud with uh sammy uh but i mean hangman's with cole right now and that feels like that's going to be at least another like month or so Mm -hmm. i'm guessing they'll eventually have some kind of blow-off match at maybe the next like night of champions whatever the hell they're calling that special that they do or you know just another special episode of dynamite which they do every month at this point um do we perhaps see Cole beat hangman and then you can have like the babyface punk go against a heel champion i just don't want the title to be passed around too quickly from mm-hmm. you know hangman you know i feel like hangman i feel like his storyline was built up for so long for him to get that title it would suck for him to lose it so quickly but again that might work for his character i mean he has exactly. that you know that flaw to him where he's like oh man you know I, I worked so hard for this and i failed within you know the second challenger here a lot of people are really sour on his run and i'm not quite sure why I don't know if it's just the way he comes off on the screen sometimes where he still seems to be lacking confidence. Um, Cause I feel like all of his title matches have been great. Like mm. his, his defensives like have been fantastic. I, I haven't had a match where I felt like he didn't live up to the hype. So I'm not quite sure what's not getting over with hangman. Do you think it's just the way he's being booked? I mean, perhaps, I mean, is it a situation where we don't have a challenger that we believe could beat him just yet? Or is it, you know, do I they, don't know, do people not believe in Cole? I feel like people do. I feel like Cole's super over. And maybe part of it, it's like Cole's almost too over. Where mm. it's almost like a babyface versus a babyface situation, even though Cole is technically a heel. Where it's kind of going against the grain. You know, where I would people almost... want to see Cole win the belt. Mm. So, um, and I would almost sure. argue the uh, buildup for that last match had more to do with Cole and the Young Bucks than it did with Adam Page, where he's getting kind of he did feel like he was getting kind of lost in the shuffle, yeah, in that you know program. I, I could see that, but he was kind of also part of that drama with the Young Bucks. But I, I was also complaining that it felt very CW at times, mm. so um, it. I would like to see him a little more confident out there. I mean, he definitely has his moments, but it does feel like at times he gets down on himself still. And I know he's supposed to be the millennial cowboy or whatever the hell, you know, he's going by. But I felt like that character arc ended with his title reign. Mm-hmm. So now I just want to see that badass cowboy, you know, who's more than confident out there. And like I said, like none of his matches have disappointed me at all. So I don't know what it is that's just not clicking. And sometimes with the babyface, it's more about the chase than the actual win. Mm -hmm. So it's like kind of like, okay, well, you won the belt. Now what? Like, where do you go as a character? So it's like hard to keep that momentum going. You know, you have to have the right heels to go up against. 
So, I mean, a lot of babyface champions have had this issue in the past. So it's not anything new. And I don't think you can necessarily just blame Hangman for that. It's hard to book, I feel like, a babyface champion without the perfect heels. Um, especially early on, I think we both agreed. Like, no, we just didn't believe that his title was ever at risk because it was so early and because of the giant build to him winning that belt. So even though he's facing off against someone like Brian Danielson or someone like Adam Cole, we still felt like, oh, well, he's protected. He just won the belt. There's no way they're going to take that title off mm. of him. And maybe they do need to have the belt change hands quickly because, you know, we feel partially that way because AEW has a history of long title reigns where if we do have a short title reign here, that kind of gives that air of like unpredictableness you know, around that belt. Like, I don't want them to do that all the time, but, like, it doesn't hurt to do it once to let people know, okay, you know what? Anyone can win this belt any given night. Oh, and one more thing about Punk before we uh, move on. I Thinking about it, him getting into, you know, confrontations with Dan Lambert could be pretty interesting. Oh, my with God. this whole UFC thing. You're right. Oh, my God. I wasn't I thinking about that. Has anyone even brought up the UFC thing with Punk? I don't think I mean, MJF touched on it. Really? I, I thought I, I felt don't, like he might have, but he might have. It, it might be off limits. Mm. It is weird that like because that feels like a hot button that MJF would definitely be pushing yes. <laughs> any chance he got. But that doesn't seem to be something that they did. So I'm wondering if it's something that Punk just doesn't want people to bring up right now. Um but it would definitely feel like it would be in Lambert's wheelhouse. Oh, absolutely. You know? I mean, just <laughs> not only from his character standpoint, but the fact that, you know, he's, you know, a highly touted, you know, coach of, you know, a lot of these guys, you know. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where they go. You know, like I said, I mean, it feels like both titles are kind of in the middle of programs right now. So, I mean, does Punk need to go through another obstacle to get his title match at this point? Uh, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. So another awesome match we got uh, on Dynamite was the Tornado Tag Match uh, featuring the Hardys teaming up with Darby Allen and Sting versus Private Party and The Butcher and The Blade. So this match was just fucking chaos. <laughs> uh-huh. And I actually enjoyed this more than the pay-per-view match where they uh, were uh, Sting and Darby teamed up with uh, Sammy against, uh, you know, whatever, the Hardy offense. I still can't get the fucking name right at this point. A H mo or whatever fo yes fo whatever um, i'm glad that's over with but i really enjoyed this match i mean jeff is a maniac and he proved that here like climbing up a giant ladder and that not being high enough and then finding a fucking ledge and almost killing himself i was like please don't get fucking hurt here <laughs> um but yeah no it, it was fantastic darby's a madman out there uh if you get a chance Watch the match between Darby and the Butcher from Rampage this past Friday. It was actually a really good match. Because on paper, I was like, oh, this kind of feels like a glorified enhancement match. But uh, they really leaned into the fact that Darby injured the Butcher last time they um, wrestled. And Butcher had to be out for like months uh, with like torn ligaments in his hand. So they had Butcher just on fucking fire and beating the shit out of Darby. Like, I mean, this there was a clothesline that Darby took where I legitimately was like scared for him. I was like, and Darby, I mean, <laughs> he's pretty indestructible, but like this clothesline 
is pretty fucking ruthless. Um, so they're really like playing into that feud. And I really felt like Butcher got over in that match. So it ended with like a count out because Darby chose to do like a coffin drop on the outside of the ring just to like keep the Butcher down because he was just like a man on a mission to injure Darby. So, um, but anyway, this match was fantastic. I thought this was a great time. Um, I'm still terrified for Sting every time he wrestles. (laughs) (laughs) He did a dive off of any balconies this time around, but it's still like, I feel like he's doing a little too much every time. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's like once every like pay-per-view maybe you know, have a match like this. I don't need to see like, you know, every two weeks, you know, sting out there almost killing himself. So, but I mean, more power to him. I mean, he's 63, three years old. He just had his birthday this past week. So happy birthday, sting. Don't kill yourself, please. (laughs) (laughs) This guy was retired for years. (laughs) (laughs) WWE wouldn't let him wrestle. You know, and now he's out there fucking, you know, mixing it up with all these like, you know, 20 something year olds. I mean, literally, I was glad to see that Sting was just holding someone on that table and not getting up there with Jeff. Because that's what I thought was coming next. (laughs) Oh, my God. I would turn off the TV if I saw him start like climbing that giant ladder. I would not be able to watch that. That'd be terrified. So um, I'm over this feud, though. I don't know about you. Darby is supposed to be going against Andrade. Uh, next week so hopefully Mm -hmm. that's like just the button on this feud and we can move on um do we get to see darby and sting versus the hardys um it would be a fun match i don't know if i necessarily need it i think i would rather just see darby versus jeff if anything i feel like you're definitely teasing that like maybe you have these two tag teams go against each other and then eventually you have the one-on-one match between Darby and Jeff. Although that sounds terrifying also to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <So> <laughs> one of those guys are going to fucking kill themselves, you know. I just would be scared that they would both try to outdo each other, you know, the entire mm-hmm. match. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's all for our entertainment, right? And it yeah, is I- definitely entertaining. So I don't know why I'm complaining, but I don't want to see anyone die. Like I, I really want Andrade and Darby in like different feuds right about now. Like I, I, I've been wanting to see HFO split apart forever, and then they added Andrade, and it just became an even bigger mess. And I, no, I, I agree. I, I agree. He's I, such I would, a talented guy. I mean, he I, don't is, know. I would love to see him get a title shot. You know, mm-hmm. like a world title shot. I know he had a bunch of TNT title shots. Um, I would love to see him with the TNT belt, you know, have a run with that. I think it's well-deserving. Uh, and I think he would, you know, do nothing but enhance that belt at this point. You know, I know it's on Scorpio and I hope Scorpio does have a decent run, but mm. it does feel like that belt would be a perfect fit for Andrade also, you know, to go for like a lengthy run. Although don't get me wrong, the matches between him and Hangman would be fantastic also, but it's also kind of what we talked about before where I just wouldn't believe that. Andrade would have a chance to actually walk away with that belt. I mean, I mean, but maybe they throw it, us a curveball. Exactly. It doesn't make it more interesting if Andrade takes the title off of him out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. You know? That'd be great. I would I wouldn't be opposed to that. So also on this night, we had the new super group of Danielson, Moxley, and Regal seemingly name their faction. Uh help me out here, Christian. Blackpool Combat Club? Correct. Right? Okay. <laughs> 
doesn't necessarily yeah. roll off the tongue, but I like Not it. Not necessarily, but, you know. You know, um, it sounds menacing. Exactly. I mean, after they were done beating the hell out of the Varsity Blondes, <laughs> they really sold their new group, you know? <laughs> they beat the fuck out <laughs> of the Varsity Blondes. I felt so bad for those guys at the end where, like, Moxley's just elbowing one of them in the head and Danielson's, uh, like, literally just booting the other guy. Oh my god, I love <laughs> they feel like the modern day road warriors, where they're just going to destroy whoever they're facing across in the ring and mm. I love it, and that's I, I want that vibe to carry on I, I, I want to watch them for at least a couple weeks, destroying tag teams until they finally get a, ta- a title shot um, What do you think about the fact that they seem to be baby faces? Because I know when we first had the idea that this group would be getting together, we just kind of assumed that they would end up being heels, that it would be Moxley turning. Um, you know, since, you know, Danielson was such a heel at that point. Um, and if you would have told me on paper or showed me on paper that, you know, Regal was joining them, I'd be like, oh, they're definitely fucking heels. Uh-huh. But it doesn't seem to be the case here. It feels like they're actually baby faces at this point, at least. It I don't know, man. It's a ticking time bomb. They, the three of them are all very kind of heel aligned type of personalities. I mean, Moxley, I guess, has had the most of a face run here in AEW. But well, I mean, and when he uh, before he went away, uh, you know, to take care of personal issues, it definitely felt like he was going to turn mm-hmm. heel sooner than later. So maybe they are heels and they just haven't been up against the right team yet uh because it feels like they're probably going to end up getting a tag team title shot you know Mm -hmm. somewhere in the near future so if that is the case and jurassic express still have those titles i could see their heel tendencies coming out more uh i would love to i think i talked about this off mic but would it be great to see like them like beat the shit out of like luchasaurus and like take off his mask and everything since they're more like we're like traditional wrestlers and everything fuck this shit and all your stupid like millennial gimmicks everything because that was you know danielson's like whole like speech about Uh, like the AEW roster and everything you know you know bashing you know orange cassidy and uh dan housen and everything so i mean a dinosaur should be pretty insulting to them (laughs) especially a luchador dinosaur (laughs) he has been around for three billion years Uh uh um who do you think ends up joining the group um i mean we did see wheeler yuda saying that he wants to try out um i could i could see that sticking just because i I feel like what else are you going to do with wheeler at the moment I don't know. Well, to me, it feels like it's going to be something that they build to, though, because they did me- like Regal mentioned it on commentary that they're going to have to like prove to him that you know they are the right fit, um, you know, through violence. So maybe we see you know Wheeler in a feud with Trent, and you know he just progressively gets more and more violence, and that's when you know they end up you know accepting them, Mark, and that's when they end up accepting you know Yuta into the Blackpool Combat Club, which definitely does not roll off the tongue. <laughs> you think they're going to do it Fight Club style, where, like, you know, once you join the first day, you just got to take a beating for, like... Oh, I don't know if I want to see that. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think they just have to prove themselves in multiple matches. Okay. That they have that in them. 
So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if they end up in a program uh, with Jericho's new crew. Oh, yeah. The Jericho Appreciation Society. Yeah. Since they're, you know, on the complete opposite side of the spectrum from Uh (laughs) what Moxley and Danielson are doing. You know, they're the wrestlers and Jericho and crew are the, you know, sports entertainers. So it feels like a clash would only be natural. Uh, Mm -hmm. So maybe that that is the next feud. Who knows? And then you do have Daniel Garcia involved with that group so maybe they tease daniel garcia joining up with the combat club or whatever the hell they're calling him um so i don't know i don't know i I was surprised to see them put you know garcia with you know jericho i know he was part of the 2.0 group kind of Mm -hmm. um they were calling him his son their son i guess (laughs) which i never understood but whatever uh so maybe that's the reason why they put him with them. I know he's kind of filling that like Sammy Guevara role for them, mm. but he, he just feels like he fits more with, you know, Moxley and, you know, Danielson. So, but I will say Garcia's leaning into the gimmick. I mean, he's been doing a lot of mic work, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks and he, he hasn't been bad at all. So uh, I just, <laughs> I'm like, I know 2.0 like changed their names to something fucking ridiculous. I, I think it was like Magic Daddy something, and I, I don't remember Mister Fabulous or something ridiculous. I don't know <laughs> something over the top. I uh, think they're trying course. to kind of spoof WWE how they change everyone's name, mm-hmm. you know, when they join. Uh, I, I'm guessing that was the idea behind that. Uh, Garcia, though, like I don't see what he does to you know enhance his gimmick you know to make it more sports entertainment since he is such you know a wrestler's wrestler i mean they got to do something i'm assuming maybe they'll have especially if he's working so close with jericho probably put that like more entertainment like character on him as they go on maybe that's the storyline they'll do but i don't know but like, like i can totally where, see how do you put an entertainment character like what do you have them do like I, singing I, and dancing I, out there like i, I don't guess know. <laughs> i mean jericho's known to do that shit he I puts on like is, random stage performances yeah like doing that like I, I like 2.0 absolutely 100 <laughs> percent. but it feels like garcia is more along the lines of like a jake hager and you already have mm-hmm. a jake hager so do you really need garcia so I don't know. I could just see him joining, you know, the combat club. But who knows? I mean, maybe these guys aren't in the line for a feud anyway. So we're just talking out of our asses, which is probably uh-huh. the case. Um, <laughs> and nothing new for the show, honestly. So we had another great match on the card. We had Adam Cole versus Jay Lethal. Uh, this matchup kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I was just happy to see Jay Lethal actually get some screen time because he just kind of disappeared after he signed. Uh, the crowd was white hot for this match. Uh, Adam Cole did end up going over, uh, but I, it made me wonder, like, do you think we see Jay Lethal get more of a role on ROH? We know that he's going to be part of their pay-per-view coming up, uh, mm-hmm. not this Friday, next Friday, uh, WrestleMania weekend, uh, which Tony Khan is said in a interview that's going to be kind of like almost like a pilot episode for ROH because be his first show actually booking i guess he's kind of begrudgingly doing it because it was already a date on the calendar for 
ROH. So before he bought the company and people, you know, already bought tickets and everything, because he said in the past that he would never book a show on WrestleMania weekend and also the shows on Friday night. So it is going up against Rampage. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) I mean, that case alone, you know, tells you that he was definitely kind of forced into this, you know. Uh, But yeah, I mean... It feels like Jay Lethal, I mean, he's such an ROH guy that it would only make sense to kind of, like, build that brand around him, at least. Um, I mean, what do you think? No, I exactly think that that's where Jay Lethal's going to end up going. I think he's going to be a pivotal person in that, you know, division whenever they, depending on who they bring over to ROH from AEW, if they do that, or if they're all, if they're just going to bring in as many of the former ROH stars as they can. I definitely think he's going to be at the top, at least. Another thing that Tony Khan said in an interview, and I don't know if it was the same interview, but he does see ROH as a weekly television product, too. Mm -hmm. Um, He didn't say necessarily where it would air. Um, He kind of left that open. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work because he said in the past that he plans on being the booker for ROH also. So, I mean, that dude's got a lot of things going on right now. Like, I don't want him to spread himself too thin. Mm -hmm. You know, there's plenty of other talented, you know, people out there who could probably handle booking that show. Um, You know, and maybe he just kind of oversees it, you know, Vince McMahon style. But I don't feel like he needs to be there, you know, booking the show weekly. Although it might be a situation, too, where they just, you know, shoot a bunch of episodes you know, in one week and then just kind of edit the shit together, you know, do it kind of like studio wrestling style. I mean, for him, it's probably fun as hell. I mean, he's living his dream. He's getting to play around with all these wrestlers and now have two complete shows um, along with all the mini shows that he's doing with, you know, Elevation and Dark. Along with being an owner of a fucking football team in Europe. and, (laughs) And he also works in the front office for the Jags. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm sure he's like living his best life. But I mean, there's a point where he's going to be spread too thin because those those two different jobs, the football, you know, the NFL and, you know, Mm -hmm. the soccer, like those are two full time jobs, (laughs) you know, and he's on top of this running two wrestling promotions now. It just feels like a disaster waiting to happen. I'm sure he's got some type of crazy spreadsheet with plans. Oh, I'm sure there's lots of spreadsheets (laughs) happening, but (laughs) I just don't want to see the guy burn himself out here, Mm -hmm. you know? And then also there's the case of like, you know, are you saving your best ideas for AEW? Like, you know, do you hurt your own, you know, creativeness by booking two separate shows? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean... I guess if it ends up being kind of like a feeder system for him or like a developmental territory almost, I guess there's no fear in that happening. But if he is like truly trying to push ROH as like, you know, a big time wrestling company, I I just don't see how he's going to do it. But I mean, God bless him for trying, right? (laughs) Exactly. So I guess that would do it really highlight wise, at least for me. Um not to end on the negative, I, I will say, like, I wasn't a big fan of how they really started off, you know, Thunder Rose's uh, championship reign here. Um, it just, it felt really rushed to me. We had her come out, do an interview with Tony Schiavone. Vicky Guerrero, um, you know, interrupted, did her whole excuse me bits, and then Nyla Rose ended up ambushing her. I feel like every new champion... 
like has to go through Nyla Rose for some reason. Oh, yeah. Like she's like the first boss, like on your championship ring now, um, which is kind of annoying because I feel like there's so many other women wrestlers out there that should be getting the title shot. Not that I have an issue with Nyla Rose, but it's just like we've seen this before at this point. Um, you know, like, let's bring up someone new for Thunder Rosa to go up against. Well, exactly. I mean, when they put her in this spot every single time, it, it it's kind of like um, Lance Archer, how we just don't believe he's going to win the title because every time he's the first person that shows yeah. up and, you know, gets beaten easily. I guess the difference, though, is that Nyla has actually held the belt at different True. points. So, but it just, it feels like it hasn't been a recent thing, right? The last, mm-hmm. co- I, I don't remember actually the last time she actually had that title. So I, I guess it was probably a little after the first year. So it's been a while, right? Mm. Um, I, Like I, I know Serena Deeb is right now in a program with Sheeta, but like, I feel like she'd be a great first challenger. Or, I mean, Tony's not scared about signing new talent there's plenty of talented like free agent women wrestlers out there right now i mean what about like ember moon like bring her into the company i know Mm -hmm. i think she was kind of going back and forth with thunder on uh twitter so maybe that is something in the works i don't know um but i would love to see her part of AEW. i think she'd bring so much to the table or give leila hirsch a title shot like after she's done with her program with statlander and red velvet so we just I, i feel like we need fresh faces in the title picture at this point. And I feel like there's nothing wrong with like hot shotting a, you know, newer talent to the title spot, especially if it's someone that's everyone's into and you know, it's her first you know match. So she's most likely going to win no matter what. So I don't feel like there's a problem with that. I just, I know Nyla Rose is not going to win the title. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, and I think that kind of works with Jamie Hayter though, because mm-hmm. at least it leads to something else. You know, it progresses a storyline with, like, Hater and Britt if they do go that direction. You know, where Britt gets jealous that Hater's going after the belt. They could turn, you know, she, she could turn on her and then you've got a brand new baby face. You know, and at least Thunder has her first opponent, you know, under her belt. Well, Christian, that does it. Uh, join us next week as we preview WrestleMania. I guess. Oh, oh yeah. WrestleMania is a thing. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of stuck up on us. Shows you how much attention we're paying to WWE nowadays. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, that does it for this week. That's right. And as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some Amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? Well, Christian, we're going to be breaking down the very first episode of the MCU's Moon Knight. And of course, we'll talk all the latest happenings in wrestling. My name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. Take a closer look, Charles. I want to make sure I've labeled all my organs correctly. <laughs>